Good morning. Thank you, Pastor Larry, uh, for the introduction. And thank you, Gideon and the worship team, for leading us in, in worship. And Shalom, Grishans. Thank you for being here. Welcome home for those of you on site and those who are watching from your home. Welcome too. Um, I trust that uh, within the course of last week, you were able to take advantage of the increased dining capacity before it goes down again to two tomorrow. <laughs> so, as Pastor Larry said, we are in the second sermon on our new series, which is called Breaking the Circuit. Okay, so, and it's based on the second book in the Old Testament, which is Exodus. Right? Exodus records for us uh, the birthing, the founding of the nation of Israel. So before I launch into that sermon, I just want to say about something, you know, things that are not usual because of this COVID situation. But one thing I want to say, it's uh, in the aspect of recognition. I don't know if you realize that here and also at Bukit Bato, we actually have a machine, you know, a facial recognition, a temperature scanner. That when you go there, not only does it scan your temperature, it also identifies who you are. And I'm very amazed at the AI because even with half my face, just showing my top half, it can tell, it can tell who I am. And I've tried to fool it. I've tried to change my uh, parting. I've tried to change my spectacles. And still, it, it knows who I am. And it's a wonderful thing because when I come to church, I hear the machine tells me, Pastor Ming Cham, your temperature is 36.5. So at least a word of welcome. But not only AI, I'm also amazed that we are able to recognize each other on the road. So sometimes, uh, you know, we, we hear people like, you know, I'm walking down the road and somebody actually calls me. And just the other day, I bumped into a, a Gracian, a former Gracian, you know, I haven't seen him for a while, a few years now. And then as we, you know, walk towards each other, there was a pause, like we recognized each other. And actually, he, he recognized me. But it took me a while to, to recall because, uh, you know, he looked actually slimmer and younger. And fitter, and I don't know how that happened. So, but we still could recognize. But there are people that we have never seen without their masks off. Last December, I went to my neighborhood dentist. I don't know her. She doesn't know me. But because she had to work with, uh, you know, do her job, so I had to unmask. But all the while, she was masked in. So I actually have no idea how she looks like. So I hope she doesn't think I'm rude when we bump into each other on, on the uh, road or when, you know, she's having her coffee in the coffee shop. And she doesn't think I'm rude because I'm not acknowledging her. Actually, it's not that I, I won't. It's just because I can't, you know, because I've never seen her. You'd be surprised at how different some people look without their mask on, off, on, it's on, off, without their mask on. So the reason why I'm doing this is because today our sermon title is Pharaoh Unmasked. <laughs> And it reveals to us something. You know, like I said, some people, you've never seen them before. When they take off their mask, they really look kind of different than you expect. So Pharaoh, in unmasking himself, revealed to us something about who he was. You know? And he was a person set out to destroy uh, the people of Israel, you know, the people of God. Because he saw that the people of God, they were rising, uh, they were rising in population and also in prominence. You know? And so we see that his insecurity drove him to, to do certain things, to act in a certain way. And his inhumanity shaped those actions. But in contrast, we see a people whose security is in God and also the blessings on those who dared to defy 
Pharaoh because they feared God. So our sermon's big idea is this. In times of great pressure and persecution, we need to fear God and choose to do the right thing. And so if you are watching online, just write in the chat, do right always. Okay, so in times of great pressure and persecution, we need to fear God and choose to do the right thing. And so firstly, let's look at this insecurity of Pharaoh. Verse 8. Now we're in Exodus chapter 1 and, and the sermon is from verse 8 to 22. Let's look at verse 8, the first part. It says, Now there arose a new king over Egypt. Okay, we stop there. You see, every one of us has insecurities. And how do, what, what do we do with that? We sometimes cover it up or sometimes we compensate for it. And for some people, it's just acquiring new titles or new jobs, new positions. And because they think as, as soon as they can reach the pinnacle of their career, they will be given the respect you know, or the prestige of that position that is due to them. And if you look in the days of Exodus chapter 1, in that day, Egypt was definitely the world power. And if you're a new king coming on board, it was not no small thing, it was a big deal. But then again, between Genesis chapter 50, the last chapter in the book of Genesis, and Exodus chapter 1, it wasn't just a span of 4 years or 10 years or 40 years. It's about a span of 400 years. And so many kings would have come and gone. So why does the author here mention even this fact that this was a new king? It wasn't, he wasn't exceptional because he was new. It's the next bit of this sentence that tells us why he was mentioned. Okay, it says, Now there arose a new king over Egypt, and he did not know Joseph. Sounds pretty harmless, right, as a sentence. He did not know Joseph. But this not knowing Joseph became a major turning point for the people of God in Egypt. Because up to this point, they were in a safe and sheltered, dedicated facility. But because this new king did not know Joseph, things would turn worse for them. Okay, so this word know, it's not just a factual knowing. It's like maybe this pharaoh failed his history lessons. It's not about that. It's a knowledge that has to do with relationship. Basically, he didn't want to acknowledge Joseph. Not just not know about him, but he didn't want to give him any more credit than he deserves. But remember Joseph, Joseph was there at the right time, right? He had the revelation of God. He could advise the Pharaoh then. It was a different Pharaoh. And he, and he could tell him that, oh, your dream, in your dream, you, you, uh, you had seven years. So to interpret that dream, he said there would be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Now you store things up in the seven years before the famine comes. But when the famine comes, the then known world will come to you to buy and then you'll become rich and famous. So because of that, actually Joseph should have been uh, a national hero, given the national hero st status, or at least a trusted friend of Pharaoh for life. <laughs> but none of that, because Joseph was a foreigner. And this new king would not want to give the foreigner credit for Egypt's success. So even in this simple sentence, what can we learn? We can learn that no matter how well-received you, well, well you and I are today, because last week, Pastor Wilson said, you could be a Joseph or Josephine, right? Praise God for that if you are. But no matter how successful you are, in a few generations, no one will remember your contributions. So don't think too highly of yourself. And remember, you're serving God and not just people. Now let me illustrate how quickly we forget. World War II was 70 years ago, right? World War I was 100 years ago. 
Can anybody remember some of the heroes of that? If you ask a young person, uh, can you name one hero? They probably say Captain America, you know, which is so. No, don't you? You know you. So which is the second thing? Second thing says, you know, uh, some people say um, since nobody remembers, right? So why don't I just live as as anyhow I like? Live badly and live carelessly. My advice is is don't do that because although human beings will quickly forget, God never forgets. And we, he will hold us to account one day. And so, thirdly, do what you must do today. If it's the right thing to do, do it today. Don't wait for the best perfect moment. It'll never come. Uh, don't wait for the sweet spot you know, to do it. Just do it because, because you, you have to do it. You know, life will go on. And as you, you, you do this, somebody after you can supersede that contribution. Or maybe what you have done uh, is good for that moment. Later on, you know, it will fade into oblivion. That is what life is. Just do what you need to do today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Fourthly, don't count on past accomplishments to carry you through to the present. Okay, don't count on what you've done in the past and it was successful because the rules of the game can change overnight. And that's what we have learned from this pandemic, isn't it? Uh, isn't it? We see businesses, you know, suddenly you know, thriving and then because of the COVID, they halted. But the reverse also happened. You know, fledging businesses suddenly, you know, took off because they were there at the, at the right time, right place. Even for uh, persons like us, we need to learn because the game has changed. Now we must develop a DJ voice uh, to do the daily devotional. <laughs> so I don't know whether eat more durians will help. But... And then we need to like, like look presentable on screen because we never had to worry about those things the game changed, right? So for believers, we don't put our eyes on the things that are, that are changing, right? We put our eyes on God because everything else is shifting or sinking sand, but God never changes. And so don't count on those accomplishments. Count on God as we move along, okay? So not knowing Joseph uh, was tantamount to erasing the work of uh, the people of, of God in the history of Egypt. But it also meant, more importantly, that the Pharaoh didn't want to give any credit to the God of Joseph or the God of Jacob. And because of that, not only erasing um, the role of Joseph in the past, but also it jeopardized the future of the present people of God there. All right? Because he downplayed their role. And so from this moment on, you see the lives of uh, the people of God will become worse and worse. Okay, verse 9. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the, uh, from the land. So we know that it was his insecurity that caused him to act, but that insecurity was fueled now by something more. Fear. It was fear. You see, this growth... This astounding numerical growth was really something uh, quite phenomenal. All right, from 70 to about a few million in 400 years meant that the population growth rate was about 2.6%. What is the current one for Singapore? It's less than 1%. And so they were becoming really an eyesore. Every morning when, when Pharaoh looked, he saw all these foreigners in the land. And he knew that because they were foreigners, they could never be fully trusted. What happened if there was an invasion? Would they side with the invaders, you know, and take over the land? So militarily speaking, they were a liability. They were a threat to their internal security. 
so dangerous to leave them be and foolish to let them be. So verse 11 tells us what else they, they did. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh storehouses, store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. And the Egypts, uh, Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. So from even maybe second or third class citizens, they became uh, slaves. Right? From good shepherds, they became unskilled laborers. What was the point in this? The point in this was to limit their freedom. So if they were so occupied, then they will have no free time uh, to, to uh, have recreation. right? And if they were laden with lots of work, unreasonable amount of work, then they will be too tired by the end of the day to, uh, to, to procreate. So in that way, you know, limit the population. But were they successful? Well, only to the extent that they embittered, you know, made their lives bitter. But because verse 12 says, the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad, there was no stopping them because their multiplication was written in the stars and counted on in the sand. It was God behind. Spreading abroad was the mission that God has for the images of God. There was no way they, could, uh, they would stop multiplying. It was just impossible. So what can we learn from what happened here? Well, the exploitation and enslavement of minority people still persist today. And there's ample examples of prejudice, oppression based on race, gender, ethnic discrimination, and the abuse of power of those who are in authority. So the motivation of fear towards people who are different from us, it's real. But despite all that has happened uh, to the Jews, right? How come they could still thrive? Short answer, God. You know, it was God who disinherited the nations in Genesis 11, and then he chose and called Abraham to showcase his covenantal love and faithfulness. And it was God who placed them in this dedicated facility that was Egypt so that they could grow from becoming the sons of Israel, the family, to the people of Israel, the nation. So all this was God. God was behind. So while others act from their insecurities, the children of God, you and I, must rest in our security. And what's that? That God will ensure the survival of all who are loyal to Him. Not just the fittest, but all who are loyal to Him. Secondly, Christ the Son will intercede and defend us from our enemies. And third, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us until we reach the destination and the destiny that God has for us. And so, amen, don't worry, God's will will prevail. So, was that the end of Pharaoh? Or Pharaoh said, oh, the more we did that, the more they multiplied. Let's give up. No, he didn't give up. He went on to tighten the screw. And then he turned up the heat. By doing that, you know, he will see more of, of his character and who he was inside. He said, desperate times call for desperate measures. So it's going to like go one level up. He said, all this while you see him, you know, you see him unmasking, right? And you see him like all the evil powers throughout history. He was determined, hell-bent to, to stop the images of God from continuing. So you see this happen. Let's look at verse 15. This is the second wave of persecution. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other 
poor. And when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this? And let the male children live. The midwife said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. So what was the tactic that uh, Pharaoh used? First, he tried to stop even from babies from happening, right? Procreation time. So he created more work for the men so that they have no time or become too tired. Now he could not do that. So he's going downstream a bit, you know. So, okay, now the women are bearing, right? Pregnant. But you need to abort the baby before they come out. And if it's a male child, abort the child. So it was moving downstream. So the first persecution was men, you know, and labor. This one is women in labor. So trying to stop that. But why target the male babies? Why just the male babies? It's quite obvious, right? He has a long-term plan. And basically, he was trying to stop the males from growing. And after a period, uh, the, the sons of, or the people of Israel will be disproportionate between the genders. And if they were weak in their male population, they would not be able to revolt. At least the revolt would not be threatening enough. Secondly, if that didn't work, with, without the men there, what happens? There will be intermarriage. So once there, there's intermarriage, they become one of us. So now they're not us. But now when they become one of us, the threat is also removed. The other thing I want you to see is the new king thus far has never been mentioned. There is no name. But you find two names here, Shifra and Pua. And they are midwives. Who are they? So there are two possible uh, interpretations or two interpretations on the possible identities. The first, they are of Hebrew descent. They are Hebrew midwives. The second possible reading is they are non-Hebrew, non-Jewish women assigned to help Hebrew women deliver. So do you get that? The first was, they are, they are Hebrew midwives. The other one is, they are Hebrews midwives. Okay, huh? so I'm going to take the second reading. I think that's more likely, that they are non-Jew. Because that's the pattern I see in the Old Testament. Every time an important juncture in the life of Israel, especially when their lineage was threatened, God raised up people who were not Jews, especially women. Remember Rahab? Remember Ruth? And in the next chapter, you read about the, the Pharaoh's daughter, all non-Jews, but because they feared God. And here in this, this uh, passage, twice mentioned that the midwives feared God. Right? That would be strange if they were already Jews. So they were gentle women, but they feared God and they did not comply with what the Pharaoh commanded. Well, that's a big thing. It's not, not, it, means, it means death. Because if you dare to defy the Pharaoh, it means death. But because they feared God more than they feared Pharaoh, they decided to do that. You see, the names Shifra and Pua. Shifra means beautiful. And poor means splendid. And they were wonderful names because their role was to bring life, right? They were bearers of good news. Whenever you see them in a family, you know there's good news coming because a baby is about to be born. And so they were carriers of good news. They are not carriers of bad news. So they could not. It will hurt their conscience too much to, to do what Pharaoh 
commanded of them to kill babies. That was not their role. Right? Somehow, in this, in this phrasing, that, you see, when you see them uh, on the birth stool, what does that mean? That's not an easy thing, but that tells me that there was a way that they could, through the prenatal examination, they could determine the gender before the baby was born. Okay, before the baby reached full term. And so they said, you know, that's what we can do. But, you know, the, the Jewish women are very different. By the time they are in labor, we, by the time we get there, the baby is born. You know. So what can we do? You know? So they, they could not. So God gave them wisdom somehow to answer. Perhaps they, they defied by delaying so that the baby has a chance to be born. But whatever it was, it wasn't an easy decision because the consequence was death. But then God protected them and because of their fear of God, their faith in God, they were rewarded. They were commended. So what about us? What about us? When you're asked to do something against your conscience that violates your convictions, whether at work or anywhere else, do you take courage and stand for what you believe instead of compromising uh, your faith? You see, everything we do is based on uh, whether we submit to the fear of God or submit to the fear of men. Right? Both will have consequences. But may we, by the Lord's grace, always choose to stand for what is God's word and what is right. May God give us the wisdom and the ability and the insight like they. No, they God gave Shifra and Pua. Even though they defied the Pharaoh's commands, God gave them favor. You know what Proverbs 9.10 says? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. That's what we need. When we fear God, God will make a way so that we can stand correct and stand upright and stand righteous before God and the people. You know, we are, we are supposed to uh, watch over. Okay, so for most of us, when we see us on the outside, uh, most of us look uh, pure, godly, holy, as white as the white light, huh? until we are put through the prism of pressure and persecution. And then what happens? And then the true colors will be seen. And for Pharaoh, the true color wasn't a rainbow colors. It was a color that's dark and black and deep evil. Okay, so he moves on, verse 22. So two things failed. The first plan failed, the second plan failed, the third plan now, the third wave. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Every son that is born, he said, now every son that is born. And then he's commanding who? Not just the two women, now he's commanding all his people. So every son that is born, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Now you see, he's open about it. You know, maybe he, he quietly commanded the women to do so quietly, subtly, you know, hidden. But now it's really outright and open and blatant um, ethnic cleansing. It was basic genocide now. Any one of you can do it. If you are people, you see a Hebrew boy, your neighbor, you know, baby, is that, is that a Hebrew male? If it is, just cast him to the noun. Wow. That's really outright, outright affront. You know? But actually it was quite a brilliant idea because why? Because the Nile was this river that ran through the whole of Egypt. So it was a very, very convenient way of executing his command. So they didn't have to go anywhere. They didn't fly somewhere. They just see, oh, male Jewish boy. 
throw him into the Nile. And then secondly, because they just cast the baby into the Nile, right? So what, what was the worst crime? The worst crime was maybe abandonment, but it will not be murder, you know. Because I, we say, we don't know, we just expose him to the elements. If he lived, if he died, you know, that's not my problem. But thirdly, the Egyptians worship the Nile. So what in effect was that when you cast the Hebrew male child into the Nile, you were offering to, to, to the God a sacrifice. So two things. Wow, you please your God at the same time reduce the population. Wow, that was, that was a brilliant stroke. And then he said, okay, if that male child lives, it will be at the mercy of the God. You know, don't worry. You don't have any problem. You don't have any responsibility. I will not hold you responsible for killing. You just cast the child into the now. So isn't that the same as what we've heard from Genesis chapter 3, the Nakash, and even the most recent history of the Holocaust? We find that there are always willing candidates of evil to try to kill out the images of God. It will not be less it will be more, the Bible said. But praise be to God, all attempts of such will fail. Amen? Amen? So let's see what, what uh, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. He said, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Romans 8.37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And so no power on earth or in heaven will be able to upset or undermine the plans and the purposes of Yahweh for His people. Those of you online, you can type in, Amen. Amen. And those of you here can say, Amen. So what is clear from the passage today that we have considered today is this that like the rest of us, Pharaoh should have kept his mask on. But since, you know, he revealed to us his true self, there are some things we can learn. First, when we have no regard for God, we will fear what threatens our security and our rice bowl. And sometimes when we see those people around us who seem to be, you know, successful and they're prospering, it will breed what something in us, envy and jealousy. And, and we will say, oh, well, because of that, you know, I, I want to take matters into my own hands. I may want to do something, uh, you know, to cut the corner or, or do something not right. But when we are secure in God, when we have security in God, when we have a high regard for God, when we fear God, even though we may experience unreasonable demands, unfair discrimination, and hardship at home or at work or at school or anywhere else, we know we will not be forsaken. Because God will fulfill His destiny for us. No matter how bleak the situation, how tough the opposition, how extreme the persecution, or how diabolical the schemes are against us. The Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Type in the chat, no one. No one can be against us. And so today we learn there's a difference between those who fear God and those who who do not. So when we fear God, something happens. When we fear God, we will fear nothing else. We won't have fear for no one or anything else. Okay? So live in a way that pleases Him. First thing. 
And even if your own lives and livelihoods are threatened, always learn to put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Right? God will know what to do. Secondly, choose to do right despite the great pressure to compromise because it is the right thing to do. Trust in God to grant you wisdom and insight so as to live righteously in a world that does not know God. Fourth, be the shifras and the poors who deliver the good news of eternal life to all without prejudice or discrimination. Amen? How many of you are called shifras and poors? Anyone? I know Grace is called poor. <laughs> That's a surname. But you could be, right? You could be the shifras and the poors that God have raised for such a time as this. So in times of great pressure and persecution, we need to fear God and choose to do the right thing. Worship team, can you come and, and help us? Let us choose to do the right thing without contradicting God's word, uh, God's commands, and compromising our convictions because we all fear God. Amen? Amen. I want to give you time today, even as the worship team comes, to respond to this message. Okay, to just think about how this message speaks to you today. Right? And so I want to maybe pray for three groups of you. As you prepare your hearts, as you look to God, three groups of you. The first one, you know, you're really in a situation and you say, Pastor, you know, I, I'm really anxious. These are anxious times and I, I don't know what to do today. And I don't know what will happen tomorrow post-COVID. Really, Lord, you say, Pastor, I am in a place that is very, very tough and difficult. And I'm tempted to rely on my own way, my understanding, because I want to take charge of the situation. And I want to use my own intellect and my own resources. Pastor, pray for me today. That instead of that, I will learn to look to God. I will trust in His provision because I know that His thoughts and His ways are much, much higher than mine. And instead of resorting to my own devices, I would rather trust in God and Him alone. If that's you, just quickly put up your right hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need prayer so that I learn, I can look to God instead of look to my own devices. Anyone? Those of you, yeah, I see your hands. Thank you. Those of you online, you can also respond to God because God is there with you as well. So that's the first group I want to pray for. Maybe there's a second group among us. Maybe because of work or because of a relationship, you're also in a tight spot. And maybe you're in a spot where you may be prone to compromise your beliefs and your faith. And maybe, you know, it's a tough situation there as well. And, and you know, you're, but it comes, it rubs against your conscience. You say, I can't, I can't do that because I'm a Christian. I can't conform to the way of the world who do not know God. They have no regard for Him and they do not fear. But I fear God. And so, Pastor, pray for me because I do fear God May God give me the ability and the wisdom to understand how I can still stand for you without being offensive or, or all that. Give me the wisdom because I fear you 
and that's the beginning of wisdom because I have reverence for you God give me understanding and if you're that person quickly put up your right hand and put it down no one should be looking so that I can pray with you because you fear God yes I see your hand thank you thank you anyone from the top Lastly, there's a third group I want to pray for today. And you could be a Shifra or a Pua. And all that you have gone through in life, God has prepared you for this moment. And you're in a place where you can be a stopgap measure. You are standing in the gap for somebody. Maybe for people who are vulnerable, people who are discriminated upon. And you are there. Maybe you're a policymaker. Maybe you can advise. But maybe you can do something. Because God is calling you to be a shifra or a poor in your setting. And say, Pastor, yeah, I need prayer. I want to stand. I want to be a people. I want to be like shifra and poor. The names are recorded because you see, you see them as faithful. You see them as people who are loyal to you. And if you are that person, you know, no one looking, put up your hand. I want to pray with you as well. I want to pray for you at home. You know, you are shifra and you are poor. You're in a strategic, yes, thank you for that hand. And you are in a strategic, God-given position. Don't waste that opportunity. Serve God. Stand up for Him. Amen. Worship team, come and lead us in that song before we pray. Why don't we stand in God's presence? Those of you at home, if you can, let's come before God and say, Lord, help us today. Help us. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name.